we are all interconnected. While we are all individual and individual countries, and that's great, and we love our individuality, but out of that individuality as well, we are still a part of a whole sum. And then we make up that sum and we can impact it in a great way or in a bad way. And I think that for me is the biggest lesson. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. In this week's episode, I'm really excited to speak with Gurleen, who has turned her love for family vacations into a full-time business, guiding other travelers through cultural experiences in her home of Haiti. She is the CEO of Bellevue Tours Haiti and a proud Haitian woman raised by an even prouder Haitian father who encouraged her to travel the world, speak only Creole at home, and immerse herself in her own culture. From that love and passion for home, she built a successful travel tourist company and luxury travel gear line. Now she wants all Americans to visit Haiti when they are in search of history, culture, and beauty. So listen on to find out how Gurleen has been able to build a successful online travel agency business. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be speaking with my guest, Gurleen. Hey Gurleen, how are you? I'm good, Debbie. How are you? I am amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we get to all of the amazing stories that we have, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? (laughs) Good morning, Debbie. First of all, thank you for giving me a chance to speak to you and your listeners. My name is Gerline Telusma Emanuel. Gerline, usually in English pronounced. Um, Me and my husband are the owners of outbound tour company to Haiti. Haiti, and we specialize in historical and cultural tours. And as offbeat life, a lot of time Haiti is not seen as a travel destination. So hopefully after a little talk today, a lot of people will see Haiti differently and figure out this is the perfect example of um, a place that if you are the offbeat traveler that you must visit. That's amazing. And you really started this travel company in a location that most people will find or will say is dangerous. You know, we talked a lot about this before we got on this interview is that a lot of people are afraid to go to certain places in certain countries in the around the world, really. Mm-hmm. And you coming from there, knowing the country, knowing so many different parts of the area, obviously there's always going to be somewhere dangerous in every parts of the world, but it's not everywhere. <laughs> How did you start this company knowing that there's so much fear 
that is on the media and how did you make it flourish? Well, the funny thing is that for us, a lot of times when you do not know a destination, you are apprehensive. That's one. And two, if it's a destination that the main language is something other than what you are accustomed to. So that's that first and enormous barrier. So for us, Haiti is home because my family migrated to New York in the, I would say, my mom in different parts in um, the late 60s, early 70s. And then we came later on. So for me, it's always been a place that I left as a child, that I have great memory, fun memory that I love. And it's the same thing for my husband as well, who fam- who left Haiti when he was 12 and I left when I was eight. So when we started going back, I started going back when I was in college in my 20s. My husband have always traveled from the time he was 16. So for us, the way that we look at Haiti is totally different because we still had family back there. My father is somebody that one of the few people that I know that moved back after he retired and I used to visit him constantly. So for us, it was never a place that I had like a huge disconnect from. Even when I was growing up here in Brooklyn, I my father always took me to Haitian shows, things that were basically um, centered around the culture of Haiti because he was big on that. I spoke fluent, I speak fluent Creole and it was never a huge disconnect for us. So when we started going out and got married and had kids, that was one of the things that was important for us. So we vacationed in Haiti and it was an easy transition when we had the kids. We wanted to make sure that they would travel to Haiti as well. So my boys, the first one had been to Haiti since the time he was one, took his first steps in Haiti and he go every year. So he's been to Haiti at least 16, 18, 20 times. The little one, probably 17 as well, the same thing, been going for years. So it was an easy transition for us because when we started taking them, they were actually enamored with everything that they see. They love it. The freedom that they have over there, going to the beaches. So they experience it differently. So their outlook and their view of Haiti is different. And that's, I think, is really where we started getting the idea that, hey, if, you know, the kids love Haiti that well, we have other nieces, nephews that was also interested. And over the years, we started taking family back home. And that's how we kind of transition into seeing it as a business and the opportunity of bringing so many other people back and visiting Haiti or people who've never experienced a, a country like Haiti and wanted to to actually go to Haiti. So Gurleen, when before you even started this company that you have right now, what were you doing before this? Before this, well, in New York, I've always worked in sales. I've always worked as an account manager. For example, I used to be a sales and service manager at JP Morgan Chase. I worked as an account manager at USDA in sponsorship and event marketing in um, sales executive at Madison Square Garden. So, and then also I work as a pharmaceutical sales rep for GlaxoSmithKline Pharmaceutical. So I always had a sales and an account manager and marketing background. 
Yeah. Well, that's really a great thing to have that type of background, because especially when you're starting your business, it is a lot of sales and you're doing so much work in terms of marketing and sales, obviously in the beginning and throughout your whole business. How did you prepare for the journey to become an entrepreneur and really start this business and really transition to make this big change? I transition by we started the business in 2009, all the legal paperwork and everything that we needed to do. It took us approximately, I would say about three years of doing a lot of research because when I came back, we wanted to do a business plan. We were looking at how many people travel to Haiti. Is it the kind of business that you would do that would have people that come in daily and you will take them to different day trips. What is the best way to do it? We also did not want to reinvent the wheel because the whole point of us working in Haiti, we wanted to also impact the local economy. We wanted to do something that was different and bring something back and also participate in the development in the tourism industry of Haiti. So we did a lot of research in the beginning we did not want to just go and open a office and then just do tours. And then we have other tour companies that's been there, even though not a lot compared to other islands in the Caribbean, other countries in the Caribbean. But when we started to do the research, we wanted to execute for the past three years in researching which was the best business model for us, which was the best business model to execute and impact the local economy. And what we have done after three years of doing our research was that we work with local businesses on the ground that's already there. So for example, we don't have transportation where we have our own bus. So what we do is that we have contract with transportation companies. Uh, we have a tour director that also is a historical guy because we specialize in historical and cultural tours. So we have a historian that we work with. He is the tour director. We have a local guides in all of the most popular sites that we work with. So we hire them. They have their own company and we work as and they work as subcontractors for our company. So it took us a couple of years of trying to research, figure out which way we wanted to do, it, which model makes sense based on the reason and the why of why we were doing this company in the first place. And we find that that worked best for us. I love the fact that you are also giving back to the community and making sure that the economy in that area, in that country, in that space that you are at is also benefiting from it, right? Because a lot of times we hear from people that they just start hiring out people from overseas. So it's not really doing much with the local economy. So this is also great because your family knows the area you're from there. Your family is, there's still a lot of family that you have from there. So I think these types of businesses are really great in that sense because you have the means to do it. Mm -hmm. So Gurleen, what is the biggest setback that you're encountering currently as an entrepreneur? I know right now there's a lot of things happening in the world. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest one that you have? Hmm. Well, there's two things. When you are in a destination and 
there's always things that goes on in that destination, correct? There is political unrest. There is the fact that people are manifesting for their rights. They are not happy with the labor laws. They are changing because it's just society in general. And because, but there's some destination that feels it more compared to another. Well, Haiti happened to be one of those places because when we look at, let's say, let me give you an example. Haiti is one of the largest countries in the Caribbean. We are not an island alone. We are an island with Dominican Republic. We are together one of the top four countries in the Caribbean alone. We are one of the top four as well as a separate country in the Caribbean. Having said that, a lot of time when things are happening in Haiti, we say, let's take, for example, the unrest that happened in France, right? We could say, okay, something is happening in Paris, but we don't take the whole country as a whole. The difference in Haiti is that whatever is happening in a section of Haiti, even though it is a larger country in the Caribbean compared to most, we always say blanket Haiti. So something could be happening in Port-au-Prince, something could happen, be happening, and then we think that, oh, that is Jacques Mel. Like Haiti had an earthquake. There was a earthquake in Haiti, yes, in the country of Haiti, but the places that was impacted was mostly from Port-au-Prince, Jacques Mel, that area, right? But in Capaïsia, in the north, nothing happened. So you still had Royal Caribbean conducting their cruise in La Badie. So we kind of learn that in advertisement and marketing for Haiti, it is always a blanket statement instead of just taking the country as part of a whole. So when something is happening, like let's say there is demonstration, there's unrest, there's this, there's that, it is taken and looked upon as the whole country as a whole. And that usually impact what the first thing it will always impact is the travel industry. So that's one part. And then now from there, you now have the coronavirus. The coronavirus is impacting the world. But for some countries who have a more, I would say, fragile tourism industry, they are going to come out of this and be impacted more compared to another country. And right now, while we are doing this <laughs> this interview, we are in the middle of it right now. I'm in New York, epicenter of what is currently going on and what is, what's going to happen. I will guarantee you that when you finish there, certain countries whose tourism industry is more seasoned and sophisticated, they will get back and run and, and push heavily and probably take a couple of years, of course, but they will succeed better than someplace else that doesn't have that solid foundation in their tourism industry. So because of the outbreak that we have right now, obviously, this is making a huge impact on everybody, big businesses and small businesses alike. Mm-hmm. What are your plans for your own business? And how do you 
foresee how your business is going to change, whether you're going to make any differences to it or what you're going to keep. I guess I'm just, I'm just asking if there are any strategies that you're doing right now in order to prepare for what's to come. Because honestly, we're all still boggled by everything that's happening right now. And I know people are still in shock and you know, maybe we we do. I mean, we definitely want to plan for this, but it's still like crazy right now. But have you made any plans for that? I think like you just said, everyone is still in the mist. We are in the eye of the storm. So how do you plan for this? We don't have any blueprint that we can really look at because when we look at the past and all major pandemic that impacted the world, the tourism industry, technology, everything was not so sophisticated as it is right now. So for us, what are we doing? We are staying the course. We are evaluating the way that we do business. We still think that our business model works for us because even more so than ever, when we come out of this, our subcontractors or tourism partners on the ground is going to need all of us to actually shore up that industry, right? But also we are aware that there's a lot of people who might not be working at the moment when we come out of this. So does it mean that we strategize for the next three years? What can be immediate as far as the people that can travel in the immediate future, people who want to take a break, people who want to impact the local industry that they are traveling to. Once we are through this, that is a great way of doing that for those of us who still have some type of income, right? Because if right now the world is is closed off for a travel industry that was even more fragile, people are going to feel it even more. And then coming from this, there are some countries that are going to take longer to recover from this as well. So we don't know if when one country is done with having the peak of the coronavirus, like China is doing better than you would say right now, the United States, right? So how is China recovering? So we're looking at all of these countries. We're looking at how they are going to come out of this. And also for us in the industry, there's a lot of us who are at home, who are talking, who are looking at, okay, how do we evaluate this? How do we come out of this? How does it change our business model? How do some of us probably work better together in certain, where we never had the opportunity to to before? For me, as a historical and cultural tour company, we are doing more research. We are looking, we are reading, and then we are always students of this world. So I am always looking at people online, taking classes, learning how to sell a destination. And then hopefully this too, well, not hopefully, this definitely, this too shall, shall pass. It's not going to last forever. We just don't know when. And then when we do come out of it, we also do not need to bombard that tourism industry because they need to get 
a footing on their country and how are things going to start or move, but we don't know what that looked like. So I think that we have to look at what we've done in the past, look at other countries, how they are doing it as well, how they are coming from this. We have to respect the local economy and the local country that we want to do business in. We've always relied on our partners on the ground. So we still have communication with our partners throughout all of this. And we know that we all going to take a hit and then also follow that local political uh, dynamics that is going on and see, okay, what is the best way to navigate through all of this? But one thing for us and for me and my husband is that we never look at it as a way of walking away. There's no walking away. We've been doing this for approximately 10 years in the tourism industry in Haiti. We have some great partners on the ground throughout the country and not a, just in a local area. And um, hey, if they could stick it out, we sure can and do our part. And that's the way we look at it. I think too, as entrepreneurs, it's really, you know, obviously there's so many bad things that are happening, but it also allows us to become more innovative thinkers, right? Thinking outside of the box and also seeing what we really need to be better at in terms of our business with all of this happening and how to be more resilient and how to create sustainable income in other ways other than just one stream, for example, because right now, obviously, a lot of uh, freelancers and entrepreneurs are getting hit really, really hard by mm -hmm. all of this, you know, and for people who do have a steady job who can do it remotely, you know, it's it's really hard for them, obviously. But for somebody who has clients who are entrepreneurs and who have employees that they're responsible of, that's that's even harder, I feel like, for them because there's not just them, there's other lives that they're taking care of. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a crazy time for us, but also a wake-up call as well and what we really need to do in order to make a change for our businesses. <laughs> I think the most we learn from all of this is how connected we are as a world and how we impact each other. So if you always think that you are the only one that matter, we see how that is so <laughs> trivial because one thing impacted the whole world from one continent to another, from one country to another. I think for me, that is the biggest learning lesson out of this is that we are all interconnected. And while we are all individual and individual countries, and that's great, and we love our individuality, but out of that individuality as well, we are still a part of a whole sum. And then we make up that sum and we can impact it in a great way or in a bad way. And I think that for me is the biggest lesson out of this coronavirus. Um, yeah. It's also really interesting because before any of this happened, we were so into our screens, you know, when you go to dinner with people, you're on your phone. And then now we're like, I just want to be outside. I want to listen to my friends and family. I want to hug them. I want to shake a stranger's hand. I want to make a real connection. So it's kind of like the universe and God be like, so this is really what you want. All right. I'll give you exactly what you want. The only thing you have are your screens. How do you feel about that 
That is true. That is so true. <laughs> so now, Gurleen, let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, my God. That is a great question. What do I want to be remembered for? Well, I think I want to be remembered as the person who look at the world from her viewpoint, disregard what I've been told as far as like you said, the screen, the media advertisement, and um, taking what I've seen with my own eyes and fashion it in a way to show others that, hey, there is another viewpoint, that this is not all there is to a place or a person. And there are places that might look a little bit rough on the surface, but underneath, it's a gold mine. It's a diamond. It's just that it takes a little bit of polish for you to see it. And if you are looking for it and you are not finding it, then create it. Create it your way. Show it from your viewpoint and then put it out there because there's going to be some people who is looking for that and those people will come when you least expect it. And that's what this tour business have been. We sometimes started with 10 people. There was one tour. We had two people that attended. And then we started getting tours that had 50, 35. We've met some wonderful people along the way. We've been discouraged by people who are closest to us, who we thought would naturally understand it. And then the day when me and my husband said, then we realized that, you know what, we don't need these people to give us their blessing and say, oh, this is a great idea. You should really do it. We just say, well, to hell with what they're saying. We're going to do it anyway. And then, my God, it has been the most wonderful, wonderful experience. And I wouldn't change the bad, the disappointing experiences, because they all made the complete story and our journey of where we started. And, um, you know, from just our love of going back, from our love of sharing it with our boys and then sharing it with our nieces and nephews to having a company, we are places that we would have never dreamed of, never thought of. <laughs> we we didn't imagine it. We We could not have imagined it. <laughs> it's so funny sometimes where life takes you because you have these failures or mistakes in your life that you think is like the end of your world. And then you realize later on that it actually led you to something so much better than what you would have expected for yourself. So yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's, I think we don't realize that until later on, you know, it's hard to really realize it at the moment, like even now. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure maybe a year, even months from now, we're going to be like, yeah, uh, that was a wake up call. And, you know, now we appreciate it. And I think now we actually are more we have gratitude because of it. So, yeah, life is very strange, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're learning to breathe. 
Yes, absolutely. It's like we could stay home (laughs) (laughs) and spend time with people we love. Oh, my gosh. So what are you currently working on that is really exciting to you? Well, what we are currently working on is that out of all the years that we've been doing the tours, we've learned a lot about Haiti history and culture, how we are the first. We are the first country that celebrate Christmas in the Americas. We are the first country that is impacted by Columbus voyage. We are the first who created a first black Republic. And I said created a first black Republic because originally when they landed on the soil of IET, it was the Tainos that were there. So you had an import in years of people being enslaved you, we are the first who had a successful slave revolution and then created a country from descendants of different people from different countries, different tribes in Haiti. We are the first, different tribes in Africa, excuse me. We are the first who we took all of these different languages from Africa and then we put it together and then we created Creole. So from that and from the slave revolution, we are on the front line of generals and warriors and liberators that we are not taught of that impacted not only Haiti, but impacted the world and the world that we now know. And we are taught about all the men, the Salim, Toussaint, Christophe, Pétion, Macandal, but we are not Bookman. We are not talking about all the women. So what I'm currently working on is that I am a lover of bags and shoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm always driving my husband crazy because, oh, this bag is not right. This bag is not right because we travel. We also, when we are doing our tours, before we take you in, a, in an area in Haiti, we go ourselves. So we, we travel to these different locations. We look at how, many, how long it takes to get from one point to the next, the obstacles. Can we really sell this area in this part of Haiti? So we don't only stay in the north. We go to different parts of Haiti. And our goal is to, God willing, by the time I leave this world, is to visit every single place in Haiti. That is our goal, right? Even though we might not be able to take people to all of these places, but for us, that's what we wanted to do on a personal level. So as I travel, I'm always not finding the right bag. (laughs) Uh, And my husband is like, okay, you have about 10 bags in the closet. What do you mean you can't find the bag? I can't find the bag. When I'm traveling, going to TSA, I can't find the bag that I want. (laughs) I have this friend who's also my stylist, and she came over, and she looked, and she saw the bags packed and everything because we give gifts when we go to Haiti. You come on a tour, we give you a knapsack. They have Bellevue tours on it, towels, T-shirts, so on. And then she said, but why are you looking for this? And I'm complaining about like I'm packing and I pack like about a month or two before. And I'm <laughs> living all over the place. And she said, but you have this knapsack. Why are you looking for this bag and you complaining? Why don't you just create your own bag? And I'm like, oh my God, I've been looking for this bag for five years. You're right. I'm going to create my bag, right? With all the features that I want. 
And then as I am creating the bag and all the features that I want, I didn't just want to create only a bag because I have been complaining with our tour director in Haiti, which is Frisne Valmeus in Oka. And I am always telling him, we have done so many wonderful things in this world, right? Haiti as a country and our past leaders as liberators, but we are not known. And especially the women. And I remember one time we were having a discussion about the women and he said, well, it's because we are not doing what we're supposed to do, that everybody is supposed to contribute to us telling our story. And we have some phenomenal women and we are not letting the world know who these women are and what they were able to accomplish. So when I was, the funny thing, like we talk about life, this is not like a discussion that happened one time, right? This is like a continuation of different discussion. And over the years, I've met some great people. The person who does the artwork on our T-shirt is Kevin Andre, Akomis Art. And he specializes in like historical artwork. He's phenomenal. I've met friends, they are no cool, who writes children books, but really they're not children books about the history of Haiti that he did not know. And he took it upon himself and started writing about all these historical figures. So we are always having these discussion among us. So everything is aligned this past year, because I said, if I'm going to create a bag, I look at my husband and I said, that I want to create something that is going to have people stop and take a look at the bag and ask not only about the beautiful features and the look of the bag, because as a bag and a shoe person, you know, that's what I love. But I wanted to have something that have that symbolized something for me. So that's where I started getting the idea of creating an infinite design with 10 women from the history of Haiti and have their names fashion on this bag. Wow. So right now we have been working for the past two years on creating this bag, right? So it's twofold. It's creating the bag itself where I wanted bottom portion for my shawl, my blanket, my shoes, and if my clothes is wet or something and put it at the bottom of my bag. And then also in the front, I wanted to be able to go to TSA easily and just take things out. But then the outside of the bag, it took us a couple of months. You know, how do you choose 10 women from a whole hundreds of years of women from an area that impacted the world that no one know about? Girlene, do you have a website where people can find those bags and they could see them themselves? Yes, it is BV Styles. B as in boy, V as in Victor Styles, S-T-Y-L-E-Z, as in zebra.com. And so we chose 10 names of women from the Taino till our independence, women that we thought are phenomenal women. And that's just a, a drop in the bucket. That's not even all the women that we have. And that was the first bag that we created to honor them to have the bag as a fashion statement, but also a historical 
and a conversational piece for people to know that while we are looking at all these women in the army and the military and so on, while there's a country in the Caribbean, and when you look, it's a very small country compared to a lot of places but we have these phenomenal people that are giants that should be known about that impact the world that you see right now. So everything you see that is going on, how people are looked at, the fact, the um, obstacle that are faced, the legacy and the impact that the transatlantic slave had in the culture and the history and the world. Well, you have a country that you can look at, that their history actually impact everything that you know right now. And that country is Haiti. And that is the story that is not told as much as it should. And for us in our lifetime, we want to be part of the few people, part of the people that are talking and sharing that, that story and that history for you to look at it in a different light. I love that you're able to put that out there and people could actually wear it and that'll have more discussions to it. Mm-hmm. Now, Gurleen, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Okay, we have a website that we are also on social media as well. So we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and um, we have two sites. So it's bvtourshaiti.com for the tour company. And it's B as in boy, V as in Victor, Tours, T-O-U-R-S, Haiti, H-A-I-T-I dot com. And for our travel gear, it is BVstyles.com. So it's B as in boy, V as in Victor, Styles, S-T-Y-L-E-Z as in zebra dot com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Carleen, for being here with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Debbie, for giving me the opportunity to speak with you today. And I really appreciate it. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gurleen. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to build a travel business in unconventional places. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.